Hello and welcome to another episode of The Selfish Podcast. Today we have Michelle and she has an online profile called Make Good Together, which is such a beautiful name. And we're going to find out about her, her life and more about her. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell me and the listeners, where in the world are you and what time of day is it? Yeah, I am in Chicago, Illinois. And right now it's about 10.04 a.m., Okay, because we actually met through, you listened to Katie Marsh's episode, which was about two episodes ago, and you sent me a beautiful message about um, what I was, the conversation and what I am sharing and putting out online. So I had to connect and get you on and just really interested to know more about you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your curiosity too. Um, it's, It's a beautiful thing when like two people who don't know a lot about each other have that willingness to connect so i really appreciate uh, the chance to be able to even learn more about you through this conversation oh great so we'll start with i want to know about your childhood can you like paint me a picture of what your life was like where you were what your parents did like pre-10 years old yeah sure um well i am an only child i grew up in a very average small town and from the, the moment that I could have like any kind of conscious feeling, like I always felt like an alien. Um, I had this epic sense of aloneness in the grandness of the world, which really probably drove my introspection, my introversion and my curiosity. But I'd say like growing up, I really didn't have that many friends, never really felt like I fit in anywhere. And you could say I either had the luxury or the not luxury of my parents understanding this about me. So a lot of the times I just spend my time in my bedroom behind closed doors, thinking about concepts, building things. I had a lot of like building uh, blocks and that sort of thing, drawing. I was big into art and just understanding and practicing music. Where were your parents in this time? Were they home a lot or was you left alone a lot? Um, yeah, they were, they were home. I had a, my mom was, um, always at home. She, she, uh, left the workplace when I was born. So she was always home. My dad worked at General Motors, which is like a a car company. So he was kind of like a factory line worker, but kind of a, a really nice relationship with my parents. They've always been my best, like one of my best friends. So everything in that regard was very, very good. But just a lot of, like you say, feeling a bit alienated and isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I was always very easily able to understand the motives and the emotions of others. I'm not sure if we um we gathered that, but just this very innate like um, ability to watch quietly, watch and observe. And in many ways, that's kind of been my my life's journey, even that young, is to try to understand the sentient condition and how that relates to me and how that can get me to learn more about myself and kind of be able to apply that knowledge to how I engage with the world around me and with others. Oh, nice. And so you felt that from such a young age. Did you have any like ambitions or dreams or like goals or jobs? Like when you was a real young child, do you remember the first thing you just wanted to do or be? I think I always just wanted to do something creative. I just always wanted to be in that, in that realm of building, creating, um, interesting story that kind of relates well i shouldn't say it kind of relates it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. much the foundation by which like the mega story by which kind of my story kind of gravitates from um the very first day of school so preschool um i was always a very independent like you know only child very quiet introspective and this is my first day going to school and before the class like officially began. I'm already nervous, but I'm excited to be around like, you know, other students. Um, The teacher drops down a paper and crayons and I'm like, yes, I got this. This is my world drawing art. Cool. Like I feel comfortable. And so like I start drawing and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember it was a landscape and I think I had some animals and maybe some people and I like, I, I felt so proud in that moment to be there. And I just like, everything about my existence was like expanded. My, my chest was open. I was like, yeah, I got this. And then I looked around and I saw everybody else was scribbling and I was like, Oh, what is that? And so I was like, I could feel 
everything just compressed in me, like my shoulders hunched over. I kind of like took my, my drawing and kind of pulled it closer to myself. And I'm like, I think I'm supposed to be scribbling. So I took this beautiful landscape that I had drawn and I just scribbled all over it. And it was one of those moments that kind of crystallized this feeling for me of this weird juxtaposition between wanting to feel like wanting to belong and wanting to feel like I belong to something and fit in, but also like what it means to not be authentic or to be authentic. Um, I just remember that being a very odd situation for me. And I, I got done with class and I, and at that point I felt so proud. I'm like, you know what? I, I was able to um, shift what I was doing to be able to fit in. I was like, I'm going to show my mom. She's going to be so proud. And like, my mom was like, what is this? Like you, you can draw, like, why, why did you do scribbles? <laughs> and it was, it was this moment where I'm like, am I supposed to be myself? Am I supposed to belong? And that kind of like juxtaposition or like conflict has been kind of like this struggle that I still am like kind of unraveling and working through even now. But I feel like that's kind of like has been my life's path. Like, do you sacrifice authenticity to belong? And that's that kind of just became my my entry point into what, you know, going to school looked like and kind of my story. Yeah, no, that's really interesting, and um, I could really picture it well as you was, as you was telling me of the little little girl sitting there doing a perfect drawing, and then looking around and noticing the others not quite doing the same. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. your first sort of form of peer pressure, and I think that's the advantage. And what I liked about your profile online is now we can have this sort of social media instant connection, like we're talking now in thousands of miles away from each other in an instant. Right. Whereas when we were younger, it was you have only got small groups and there's that peer pressure is really strong. Whereas now you can be a lot more authentic, open up and be yourself and people just are drawn to you and come to you. And it's like I a am. different, a different style compared to at school. Like this, the school system it would have been similar to mine, I imagine, but it's quite a, a 30 people in a class mm -hmm. uh, to 40. And they say, if you're doing something a bit different, it's actually uncomfortable because there's a sort of conforming nature that's just innate in the school. You're not meant to be that different. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so I actually like kind of like kicked it up a notch because these feelings of like alienation only kind of like got deeper with me. So not only did I like just try to fit in, but I also went down the terrible path of trying to start to people please and really started like assigning value and worth to like making others feel good or get what they want at the sacrifice of my own health or my own happiness. And, you know, that very much backfired, obviously, because that's not a good way to live. No. And uh, I can relate similar. Like my childhood, I always felt uh, very different to the other children. And I was just very aware of things. And similar to you, I spent a lot of time alone. I wasn't an only child, but I was in a very traumatic childhood where I got a lot of alone time. Mm -hmm. uh, but like trauma happening all the time around me so it was like it just made me a heightened state of awareness so I would be analyzing and watching the other children in class and just seeing that they're not doing the same things they're not even thinking the same things or doing and for me it closed me off I just went a bit more quiet I was just like I won't be like them because I could see I didn't want to and I mm -hmm. wanted to be my own but I thought I can't be fully I can't share my own story because then they will know I'm different for sure <laughs> like you're living in fear of people might find out something about you or know you in a certain way and different and it's like I'd rather just blend in and be almost unnoticeable isn't that a terrible feeling though like that feeling of like wanting to fit in so much that you're afraid to share your true self because then they might find out like oh this this horribleness of who you are which is actually the beautifulness of who you are it's like this thing you're trying to you're trying to cover up yeah, and for me, that just went on for years. Like, when I, once I got into my teens, it was more, I was sort of finding my own way and my own friends, um, but I still kept a lot of my personal actual life and what was going on behind the scenes completely silent. So no one really knew me. And it took me to when I got older to realize I was just building it because I was living like that. I was building acquaintances. So yeah. when stuff did go wrong, no one's there because they don't know it's going wrong because you don't tell them anything. <laughs> so it's like you end up realizing you haven't got friends, you know? they're not in not in that way of real intimacy and um knowing each other because you block yourself off so much 
Entirely. Yeah. And, and like, as I started going to, you know, progressing through school, um, a little bit older, 11, 12, um, I was overweight as a kid. And I mean, by, by science's standards right now, I'm still overweight and as adult, something that I've been kind of dealing with my entire existence, but, um, just being bullied because of my weight on top of that, like alienation feeling and feeling different. And then going home, uh, after school did that, my parents thinking it was the norm that I wanted to be in my bedroom. They had no idea I was in my bedroom crying for hours because of the, you know, the brutality of being bullied. And like that kind of just compounded on this, like, where do I fit in? How do I fit in? What does this look like? And this like deep desire and yearning for connection and understanding. Yeah, it was actually one of my questions was going to be to ask you like what your earliest struggle was in life, but you've covered that with, like you say, the, the fitting in and the peer pressure as well as now the bullying. What mm-hmm. in that time, what things did you find did give you some balance to help you just get through the day? Um, it really was that introspection and that um, just going deep and trying to understand in, in, in expression as far as my art, my music, my writing, um, any way that I could get those feelings outside of myself, even though I might not have had a close friend, just being able to like get those out as expressions of creativity. Um, I think that really, really helped. Yeah, that's, that's resonated with a lot of my guests so far where they've had their pressure, like just being creative is such an mm-hmm. outlet for their emotions to create something, to put that into some form of structure. Like a lot of people, they said music or painting or drawing or building something. For me, it was actual physical exercise was my outlet. I um, started going to a boxing club when I was really young, like about 12 years old. And all that energy that I was holding in like was building into anger and frustration and I could take that out on the on the boxing bags and just knacker myself out as much as possible and that kept me feeling more balanced and calm and then it was oh I was I was gonna say I'd say now like um I wish that I had thought of that when I was that age I think I was just so stuck in like the who am I trying to figure sort out who I was with the depression of not like being able to fit in. But I feel like that at the time would have been huge for me just to be able to uh, move, you know what I mean? Get out, not be in the bedroom, maybe get outside, you know, experience life outside the bedroom walls. I think that would have been a huge benefit to me because now, now I love that. I mean, I love being outside, love moving, love running, love dancing, all the things is it just, that's just another form of getting those emotions out from the inside to the ex- external. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think for me, what helped with the boxing as well is then the reputation behind that of being going there i i luckily didn't get bullied in any way no one really i was always in fear that i might if they found out because my mom had severe mental illness and she was we come from a town with about it's like a small city it's about uh, 150,000 people um but it's small enough that your school will know your Mm -hmm. parent and my mum was the one that would be screaming down the streets at all times of night or walking around in a dressing gown and barefoot talking to nobody or something so it was like when i was a child it was like they they will know that's my mum or yeah. what if they do or what if they find out and I always was still in fear of that like what people think and judge me on because of that but because I had the physical strength side of things that gave me the balance that no one really pushed my buttons to try and have a fight or bully me <laughs> yep and what do you what do you think if your younger self now say at that time like 13 years old when you was going through all this stuff What do you think they would say if you was to meet them now? What do you think they would think of you as a person now? I think that they, I think that they'd just say, holy shit, you've endured a lot. (laughs) Like, I think they would be like, you are a badass. Like you've endured a lot and look at you now, because I believe that what hurts us the most, which is often related to personal trauma like shapes what we can uniquely offer to to soothe the hurt in the world in a sense. And 
I think that they'd be like, okay, you, you took these experiences and you didn't let them define you. You let them kind of redefine you. You know, you could build your own story based on your experiences. And I'm, I think that they would be able to see the meaning and the purpose behind all that suffering as a child and be grateful that I, you know, was able to redefine versus define myself by my history. Yeah, no, well said. That's um, exactly why I started sharing my personal sort of journey and life and story is I never thought I would ever talk about it with anyone because I had seen it as worthless and had no value. Therefore, mm. my most of my life becomes worthless and no value because that's most of your experience. So it was only when I shifted that and realized that's a choice you can make. You know, you could, you've actually, you're able to choose to look at that. And there's always the duality, like you can't go forwards if backward doesn't exist. So if something's really traumatic, it has to have the polarity, uh, polarization that you can turn that into something good if you choose and you can use your imagination to find out what it is. And I found that through talking to people in real life and really seeing them get so much nourishment out of me sharing something that I thought I wouldn't talk about. And it's like mm -hmm. a beautiful feeling. Like you said, you feel your chest open and you feel your heart growing. And um, yeah, that just drives me to share more and talk to people like you and hear more about your stories. And just, yeah, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. And being able to connect in an instant now and do this, it's, uh, it's incredible. Like I see your profile on your Instagram, Make Good Together. At the top, it says using your social media to make a difference in the world. Where, where did that drive come from? Sure. Um, well, it, it really started when the pandemic hit. Um, my partner and I were kind of doing everything we could to take personal responsibility um, as far as, you know, staying home and like wearing masks in public, all the sorts of things that we're supposed to do during a pandemic. But one of the places that we saw was really collapsing as far as responsibility for the health and well-being of, um, the, I guess, the entire global human family, really, was at a, a social level where um, somebody might have that, that peer pressure again of like, hey, let's get together. We don't need to wear masks. Um, why, why don't you want to hang out? And, and we were really, really feeling that peer pressure of, you know, kind of going against our integrity and doing what we knew was the right thing to keep the entire world safe. But also like this, like weird feeling of how do we, how do we say no to our friends and our families when they're asking us to like partake in something that's unsafe. And so that's kind of how Make Good Together came about is this idea of taking like responsibility for one one's own influence, um, especially within your social circle, because those that are closest to us, our stories, our opinions, our actions, our behaviors, um, they are really going to have a strong influence on those that are closest to us. So I think that's kind of like the 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 catalyst of how that became is is that moment of like the pandemic hitting. And at that time too, like I'm a designer, a graphic designer. I've been doing it for about 22 years now. I've had the luxury of having my own business, which has been amazing. But I was like, I have to, I have to do something about the pandemic because I was feeling so hopeless and really kind of shifted from, you know, my, my full-time gig was, was my design business. And I kind of cut out 75% of that work just to focus on, okay, how can we, how can we inspire people to continue to do good deeds and the right thing for the health and well, the long-term health and wellness of the entire global human family. And that's kind of how it began. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cause there's a couple of things you said there that really uh, resonated. Like I've seen a lot of people on, like you said, there are lots of people in different places with what's happening. And I've seen people that have got into fights with the person they love because they have different thoughts. Um, and that's a big reason why I created content online is like to try and just get people to put themselves into a much more loving state and be able to express their thoughts or opinions without the anger, without losing someone. Like I've seen people lose relationships, family members, you know, and say terrible things about people. And especially you see it online more than anywhere, whereas you don't see so much of the love and so much of the other stuff um, on, on, a, on a smaller level, you know? So I think it's really important what you put out and 
making people aware that they can make a difference from home now. <laughs> with a phone, with a computer, if they're listening to this, you can actually contribute something. Right. Even if it's sharing content of, of stuff like this or people's content that you find that you're like, you know what, that made me feel good. I feel a bit more comfortable within myself. And they can share right. it to someone else and then they can feel good because they've contributed. They've actually been of some service. Yeah, and, and it's weird because, I mean, from an evolutionary standpoint, to to survive and thrive in tribes has been, it's been requisite that you're around people, like physically around people, like to not be in community has been a detriment for our species. But it's like, okay, in a matter of months, we were asked to completely flip that. Like, what does it mean to love my friends and family? Maybe it means that I do have to spend some time away from them. And not, not necessarily as much now, but like when the first, the pandemic first started and like, you know, what does it mean? What does love mean really? And, and how can we quickly shift that in a way that'll benefit our species, benefit the scenario of being in a pandemic? And, and in a lot of ways, that's kind of also what's been on my mind and like kind of driving me good together is what does it really mean to love someone and how can we redefine what it is so that people know that when we're extra careful, it isn't that we're denying their friendship or denying their invitation, but that we are doing it out of a, a place of love. Yeah, definitely. And um, a big part of that and what I share is about self-love and self-care. And what was coming up recently in a, that I was uh, had some thoughts about and I shared some content on as well is, like I said, a lot of people, love is sort of a word that's used, but some people aren't really sure what it means, you know, because they've not experienced it or they've not loved themselves or they've not had someone who's loved them. Um, and I was using the example of like a dog. You can take care of a dog by feeding mm -hmm. it and giving it shelter, but you can treat it bad still. So you're not treating it with love. So to me, love is like the attitude you carry and the care is the actual action you're doing. So if someone mm -hmm. was to communicate with a person, is their attitude full of love? If it was a film and someone was recording you secretly and played it back to you, would it be obvious if the subtitle, if it was in mute, if there was no audio, that that person's acting lovingly? Hmm. And to me, I like to like view it like that, that it's an attitude I try to always carry. But I had to work on self-love and realize that my, my past, I, I had wired and talked to myself in a way internally that I wasn't loving myself. I didn't have an attitude of love within. Yeah, I... I... I love your definition of love and how you're framing it and how you're thinking about it. And it really resonates with how I think about love as well. And it's, it's tough. I mean, even through all that I've been through and all the work that I've done on myself and my relationships with others, I mean, I would be a liar to, to tell you that there isn't days that I, a voice in my head says, I hate you. I don't like you today. <laughs> and that's a, that's a tough like reality of, of existing. So this idea of self-love and like working towards that is something that I am definitely novice at, even though I've been working on it for decades. Um, but that I strive to better integrate into my life. Yeah. For me, it was a process. Like it wasn't instant. It wasn't overnight and there was definitely ups and downs um but at the point i'm at now i haven't had a moment where i haven't had an unloving thought about myself there hasn't been a moment of uh any of that feelings and it was the switch from self-love to unconditional self-love mm -hmm. and it's the unconditional part that really changed things for me because it was more i realized that i spent a lot of my life living in expectations so that means there's conditions on what i'm expecting and then therefore i'm not I'm already conditioned, so I'm always going to not get what I want in some form or some way. And that even wired itself into my self-love at the beginning. But it wasn't until I just fully was embracing that I don't, uh, that I love myself. But it, it was just a whole journey of things, even from, I was talking to someone the other day about the importance of touch. Because I think my last video was on like a self-love foot massage. I think it was Katie I was talking to actually, and mm. was talking about that. And I was telling her and she's going, I've never thought about it. And I was saying, imagine your parents said, I love you every day. I love you. You're wonderful. But they never touched you. Yep. I said, but uh, I said, so some people, they haven't ever touched themselves with a loving touch. 
one of yeah. my biggest self-love uh, moments was I was having a bath one day and normally it's a shower, but this was quite a few years ago. And um, I was just in this thing because I was going through all this stuff at the time and I started really gently like touching my arm. I wasn't washing. I was just like, correct, like just touching it and admiring it and just thinking, do you know what? This is my arm. This is my hand. I can't believe how, what bad things I thought about my body before and how much I've, you know, belittled it and talked so badly to, because I had such expectations for it to behave a certain way. So when it didn't, you know, I was like a dictator internally that expected so much from it and it's always letting me down. And noticing every time it did. And, and, and it was breaking through them boundaries of losing the conditions that I had on myself. And, and that really made a difference. Do you think you have a lot of conditions? Is it something you're, that you think about in that way? I, I don't, but I'm going to now because the whole, this whole conversation, I, this story you've been sharing, like I caught myself just nodding. Like I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I definitely have conditions. I mean, even the, the overweight part of my story, I mean, that has, it's now a part of my adult life and I have, um, Hashimoto's, which makes it more difficult for me, but it's something that I've struggled with my whole life. And I mean, even the scale, the scale is a condition. I look at a number on a scale and I judge my previous day. Did, did I have a good day? It's a number on a scale, Michelle. Like, <laughs> how can you judge if a day was a good day by a number? But definitely, I mean, that's a huge condition that I take part in every day is weighing myself. And there is definite meaning and an assignment of value that, you know, either directly or indirectly comes from, from that. So I think I need to do some more, some more um, pondering and, and thought around this idea of what it means to unconditionally love yourself and maybe reevaluate the conditions by which I view a day or a month or a year as good or bad. Yeah, it's it's very much being if like I said, I think because you how you described your childhood and having that say a sight um to be able to sort of be aware and go introspective and, and notice that from an early age, I think you'd be able to really witness yourself in the feelings. And like you say it's really seeing at which moments are you like judging yourself like the peer pressure you had when you're like, which moments is judgment coming in and then that means there's a condition to be judged and then you realize well, I mean, I'm putting another condition like you said to, to weigh yourself to match the stale, scales mm-hmm. now I, I I also had Hashimoto's when I was younger I had a really bad thyroid and I was up mm-hmm. to 110 kilos at my heaviest um and this was like in my early 20s. And I had been training boxing, like I said, for 10 years. And then I started weight training because I was just putting on weight. So I started yeah. exercising more and I would gain more weight. And I was eating healthy, what I thought was healthy. I was weighing my meals. I was obsessed with my nutrition. Um, and I could not lose weight. I could only gain weight. <laughs> and it used to drive me insane. And I would see people losing weight. And I even became a personal trainer because I'd learned so much training for myself, trying to get just healthy looking. Um, I kept beating myself up as well. So like, how can you train someone and you don't look yourself the part, you know? And it's like, you get really angry at stuff. And I'd weigh myself all the time. And I'd be like, why is this not changing? I'd look at myself in the mirror with little to no clothes and stuff and just be so disappointed at what I saw. And like, I have these judgments on myself. And it wasn't until I sort of went in and saw that my body is my vessel. That's my car. That's my, it's what I live in. But it's not me. Um, my thoughts, they're my thoughts, but they're not me because they don't, the thoughts pop in my head that I don't choose, you know, they're not me, you know, <laughs> so it's going through that process and sort of realizing, right, I'm the witness of my thoughts. I'm the witness of my body. And then right. through that process and time, it was like, I saw my body like a mother. That was like the feminine. That's the mum in the relationship. And my mind was like the father. And I was watching the relationship and I was like, they've got a terrible relationship. No wonder the child's unhappy. You know, no wonder the witness that's watching this relationship between the mind and the body. It's a, the mind is constantly belittling every little achievement the body tries to do. It has a go at it and says, it's not good enough. You can do better. Try harder. You know, it's like one day when you do this and this is there and you look like this, you'll feel good then. <laughs> and it was always waiting for that expectation and always being let down. Mm-hmm. And I said, so, and it only took, and what I share online with people, it took my life to fall apart even more in every possible way 
for this to change for me. And it changed during like the worst year of my life is when the main thing changed for me. It wasn't because all my life became nice externally. And then I was able to work on myself and love myself. All my external life was in chaos and falling apart and nothing was where it was meant to be in, in, my, in my view. And it was in that moment I worked on myself and got the breakthroughs and the change. So that's like a big thing I share with people. It's actually, there's internal work that can change and you can feel amazing and great and joyful even when there's chaos happening around you. Yeah, I, I need to, um, <laughs> I need to do some work, I think. I think you've kind of brought up a lot of things that I'm going to have to dive deeper into. Um, but, it's, but it's holding I, that excitement. Yeah, the, the excitement is such a big part of it. Like you said, you're, you're interested now because you've heard something. You're like, you know, I need to dive deeper. You need to be excited. Again, a big part for me was I got really bad chronic fatigue and I used to have real bad energy problems. And you will as well with the Hashimoto's like that causes your energy to be slow. Right. So I would obsess with food, think food gives me energy. And even though it's clean food. And it was only until I realized, wait, excitement gives me energy. When you're a little kid or like Christmas day or morning, you wake up uh, because what's coming and you wake up with energy. You look at children flying around when they're excited. They are so charged up. Yep. And I was like, that's what I need. And I realized it's excitement. And when you start to be loving and unconditional in the moment, you have ambition still. You have they're not conditions, they're ambitions, but you don't expect from them. You just want to do them because you want to do them. It feels good. And then you start to get energy and excitement. I literally cried. Um, I was in the woods just sort of meditating and breathing and trying to feel. I was like, what does excitement feel like? Why is it? Because I've realized I never, I haven't felt excitement in years. And, and, and then I started to feel excited about the possibility of being excited. And I just started crying. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then laughing at myself because I was laughing going, I can't believe I didn't realize I haven't felt excitement for so long. <laughs> wow. So what, what like methods and techniques do you use now to to keep yourself going day to day? What what do you use at the moment to give yourself energy to to just carry on living? Sure. Um well I I kind of have a, a pretty hardcore like regimen as far as my day. And I found that to be super helpful because I don't spend time trying to figure out when I do things, what I do. Like it's, it's kind of almost like I, I kind of pare down my, my mornings to the essentials and make sure I do everything that I need to, to do. So um, I think just my, my ritual is kind of what keeps, keeps me excited and keeps me going. So I wake up when the sun comes up. Um, right now that's 7, 10 AM here in Chicago. Um, when I'm making my bed in the morning, I have this like bright sun lamp that I turn on while my partner and I kind of like make the bed and get ready for the day. And then within, I'd say 45 minutes of waking, we go outside, we get some kind of light in our eyes. Um, we're very fortunate to live about a quarter mile away from the Chicago river, this really beautiful river that has like ducks and like wildlife. So we'll walk to the river and feed the ducks. Um, we've been having snow, so there's also a, a hill. So we've been getting up at like seven 30 in the morning and like going sledding, but like just oh grab my. a coffee in the summertime. We'll, we have a, uh, roof deck garden, like a vegetable garden on our roof. So in the morning, like we'll go out there instead of like doing the walk around the park. So just like getting outside in sunlight. And then after that, like I'll either, we'll either work out or I'll read depending on what day of the week it is. And then as far as like eating, like I have a feet, what I call a feeding window. And I'm curious your thoughts on this because this feels very conditional to me, but I'm wondering if it's conditional in a in a helpful way or a hurtful way, but I eat from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. Um, that's kind of like when I when I eat. And then I work from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. Um, you know, and then after my workday is done at 4 p.m., I'll start cooking at around 4 and then just make sure like dinner's wrapped up before 6 o'clock. And then the rest of the evening's kind of just like whatever I want to do, you know, read more, you know hang out with my partner, all those sorts of things. But I'm very, very interested in your, your take on if you think, cause I'm now I'm thinking about numbers and like 
quantifying something and is that a good thing or a bad thing? So I'm very curious your thoughts, if you wouldn't mind telling me what you think about this idea of me having a feeding window. Yeah, no, I think the, um, I think they're two different things. I think it's important to have, and it's different. Everyone's really unique. It's something I had to learn is that not to expect everyone to be thinking in the way I'm thinking or feeling or getting excitement mm-hmm. from what I get excitement from. And like I said, to some people having a schedule and having that routine and structure gives them a lot of balance. And for some people, it throws them off balance. It's actually like a, it really feel, makes them feel trapped. I'm in the middle. I I like to have structure and routine to an extent, but I did go for a period where I'd obsess and I would really be like beat myself up if I didn't follow that structure. And if the days that something happened that knocked me off it, I would be just thrown because it just mm-hmm. made me feel so bad. I was like, I've got to start again can't believe I missed a day. I'm trying to do this perfect. And I was trying to have a perfect day all the time and follow my structure and routine so much. Um, but for some people, it's like they do that and they can do that smoothly. If something comes into their life and changes that routine, they're adaptable and it doesn't cause them any emotional uh, problems. I think it's measuring how flexible you are if it needed to change. Mm-hmm. But if you're being productive and you're feeling good, then I think that's what's important. If you feel good and it's keeping you productive, but someone, your your husband comes in and says, oh, let's go do this today. And you're like, no, I can't. I've got this routine. I have to do this. I have to do that. And there's no flexibility and it makes you emotionally uncomfortable. Then I think it's something to look into to, yep. to, see, to see where you are with it. As for the actual feeding window, I think it's a, a very good thing. Like I'm now very particular with what I eat and how I eat but there's also a lot of flexibility although someone would look at it and go you're completely isolating certain things but Mm -hmm. like I I started with like intermittent fasting and just giving myself a a couple of hours in the day where I could eat so it started with that I was like you know I'm just going to eat once a day and I give myself a full two hours where I can eat as much as I want of the food was still all nutritious lots of green leafy vegetables and salads and things but I could eat as much as I want for two hours and I sort of started with that and then as time went on I was like you know I'm feeling pretty good eating like this and then mm-hmm. I, I let that time slip to just where did I feel during the day do I feel like eating now does it work now but I would still stick to like a two-hour window now I eat like in a one-hour window once a day um, and I also extend that like at the moment I haven't eaten since Sunday at about 8 p.m on Sunday was the last bit of food I ate. I've been fasting for the last few days mm-hmm. um and I found just doing them things and actually sort of not consuming so much and just checking my emotional levels. Am I feeling balanced? And like, do I feel like I've got a loving attitude and trying to look without my, uh, outside myself and say, did I just interact with my love in a loving way or not? And noticing how I feel in, in that moment. And really for me, it's all about feelings. And, you know, feelings come first. We feel something and then we create a thought around that feeling. So I think being able to observe our feelings and make sure, like you say, we're staying in that feeling of love, a good attitude, excited and enjoying the moment you're in. And like I said, and still holding that ambition for the next day. If you're not looking forward to tomorrow because you've got a strict structure coming, then it's something to look at. Why is that making you feel uncomfortable? What can you do to make that exciting? What can you do to enjoy that process? Right, right. No, it's interesting because um, hearing you say that kind of validates my feelings around um, the structure that I have for myself, because if anything, like it, it almost feels liberating in a sense, because I've kind of crafted this system by which I feel the best and I'm the most productive and I have the time to do the things that I love and what I want to do with my life. And I think, I think that's a beautiful. Yeah, that that sounds, that sounds good. And uh, how how did did you meet your husband? By the way, let's. I uh, would like to hear a little bit about him. How how's he in your life, and how does that fit in your structure of your routine? Sure, um, Eric is my partner. He's not my husband, but uh, we've been together for about three years, I'd say. Um, I met him at the absolute perfect time in my life um, when I was working through um, actually getting a divorce with somebody that I was with for probably 12 years. And we just happened to meet each other at the exact right time in our lives to, to to meet each other. Um, And I am extraordinarily grateful that he is in my world now um, to have somebody 
who supports me as far as um, being behind me version of myself. And I feel like it's, it's goes both ways and it's, it's a really beautiful, beautiful thing because I, I hadn't been in a relationship really ever in my entire life where there's that mutual striving to really want what's best for the other person. And that's the relationship we have. And, and I love it. Oh, beautiful. I always like hearing when someone's in a loving relationship, you know, I think they just give so much power to your life when, when you've got that support and they said the encouragement more than anything, when someone, you just want the best for them and they want the best for you. And, you know, you just want to grow together. And I think it's such a, that inspires me, you know, it gives me, that gives me fuel. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, I can. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So what, um, what sort of activities do you do now that you share with your partner? Do you, do you do any actual like sort of health practices or you said you go for walks and runs together? Yeah. So, um, every morning we, we get up at the same time we get ready and we get outside and, and do our morning walk. Um, it's been a really great time to, I mean, most of the time we're, we're silent. We, like I said, we live close to the Chicago river. It's beautiful. There's always ducks in like a different wildlife geese. So most of the time we're just quiet and we're just observing and listening. And I feel like just that practice of being outside with him and getting that sun in our face and being able to appreciate nature is really a good foundation for a good day. Like that's a building block of what I would consider to be a really good day. Um, twice a week we'll work out together. So today I told him that I was going to be on this, this podcast and I told him I was going to give him hell because he really hurt my abs today. Mm -hmm. Um, today was ab workout day. And, uh, so we did that for about 45 minutes and, uh, Thursdays I, I lead the workout. Um, and we've been doing, uh, like kind of like martial arts type things on, uh, on Thursdays. So we've been doing that. And then, um, really just like cooking. That's the other thing that kind of brings us together is, you know, we typically I'll start cooking at like four and we've been just like cooking delicious meals, like for as long as we've been living together now. So it's kind of a joy. He's, he's in the the industry where he's a chef. So like he, uh, he brings a lot to, to the table as far as, you know, what we can do with, with uh, what we're eating at home. And so it's kind of another time that we, and spend together that's really enjoyable and you know we can connect on that level um other right. than that like just you know being around each other uh, quietly sitting on the couch drinking coffee reading he'll be doing his journal i'll be reading like moments like that where we're together but like doing our own things feels really good it's good to to be able to have that introspection and alone time with the presence of somebody without the disruption of somebody like it, it, i feel i feel good being in his presence oh that's really nice to hear and what would you say or maybe there'll be saying else but would you say in the you've been together now for three years but in the last mm -hmm. two years obviously the the world has changed quite drastically so you've had mm -hmm. a lot of isolation together do you think that actually helped grow your relationship 100 percent um i i It'd be interesting to to think about or to ponder or to see if the pandemic hadn't happened, how that would have affected us. Like, would it have made us weaker or stronger? I have a feeling it would be the same. Um, we are both very uh, independent, introverted humans. So we need a lot of alone time. Um, and in a sense, it's kind of been a blessing because we, we offer that up to each other. So we've gotten very good at communicating. And while I am extremely introverted, he's, I would say maybe more introverted than me. And, you know, if there's times that I'm getting too much into his space, he will say it. And we've developed ways to communicate by which he can speak up, you know, like I need, I need some time. Like I, you know, let's, I, I had this scheduled to, to do this thing. Do you mind? And like, 
and it's beautiful because I want nothing more for them than for him to be able to communicate what he needs and for me to be able to also reciprocate that if I need my alone time. So um, there has been nothing that has and during the pandemic that has like caused any kind of disruption to our relationship is in regards to like being around each other um, so frequently. Yeah, nice. And it sounds very much like you say with being able to communicate. It's a bit like what we were talking about earlier with holding the attitude of love. It sounds like you're both communicating, holding the attitude of love so the other person's able to receive that and you progress together. And there's something I learned a lot with my uh, love, Danielle. We've been together now for, I think, about eight years. Um, and like during during the last six years, we've been put in a situation where we're together pretty much 24 hours a day, every day. Mm-hmm. And and we had to learn to really get into that communication. We both also come from long-term relationships. I was married before and with someone for 10 years that didn't work out. She was in an abusive relationship before for like 10 years. And so when we met each other, we both at the sort of, we had to learn how to communicate again, but we both were there with love and it took a while and balance to actually realize like, you just want the best for them and you just, the more communication you can have. And letting them know, like you say, in a loving way, it's like they want the best for you. You want the best for them. You should be able to work out <laughs> the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it so sounds it- very much similar to our experience. Um, and and I think you're spot on. It's just like that. The communication is is key. Like, and how do you how do you communicate from a place of love, even the hard things, right? Like, I mean, there's there's been times when he's been like, you you know, I just need quiet time. But he has a way of articulating it that makes it to where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you told me. Because if you didn't tell me this, I might have continued to ramble or be a little bit more extroverted and kind of like sacrificed that, that internal time that you needed. So if anything, it's a gift always when I, when he speaks up for what he needs, you know, because then it also opens the door for me to be able to do that same thing and, you know, articulate and express my boundaries and, and needs. Yeah, definitely. Like it really makes a difference. And um, what what else would you say if you had to pick one more thing that's come out of the last couple of years that you're really pleased about? Like what's happened in your life that you're you're really pleased about during this uh, sort of crazy time? Yeah, um, I think that we could see this time through the lens of despair or chaos or just any any negativity, but. It has been such a joy to see people come together in epic ways to kind of like make a stand for the human family. And I don't just mean in the pandemic for like a multitude of, you know, topics as it relates to public health, wellness, equality, awareness, redefining, redefining what our lives look like. Like these, this moment is is such an unprecedented moment for us as a species to decide what, what this looks like. Like, what does it look like to be a human and have a life? And I think that's such an amazing gift. It's like the silver lining of the pandemic is meeting new people and really having a moment to redefine what kind of life you want. What does this look like? And it's it's been amazing to see other people taking that opportunity too. Side, I see the 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 side where there's some people who it's all you know doom and gloom, hmm. but for those who have used it to as like a catalyst for um, really deep work in understanding who they are, what they want, and what's important, it has been a really um wonderful opportunity for those types of growth experiences and opportunities yeah and like you said there's always going to be as we touched on earlier the duality the polarization that yes for some people it's going to have been the worst thing and they're going to use it in the worst way but for some people it's been the best thing and they've used it in the best way um and it's actually i think you were the i put a story up on instagram and i think you answered it and i put this question i wanted to ask you i put is life fair and you're the only one that picked unfair what was the feelings (laughs) and thoughts that went through your mind then 
it's not fair. I don't think, I don't think life is fair. I'd be, I'd be very curious to hear, um, why it is or is not fair. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we really get to choose necessarily if it's fair or unfair. Um, I just think it's what we do with the situation, um, and the present moment to shape our futures in a way that create a life by which we are happy and be ecstatic to live. Um, yeah, but you yeah, said I you mean, you don't think you get to choose, but you still chose unfair. You could have chose fair then if you don't get to choose. <laughs> huh. Interesting. And and I'm also fair interested is an in, interesting word. Like when I'm trying to like kind of just break down this notion of what fair. And are you thinking on a human level only as the human species? What are you thinking of as life? This is a very interesting question. I'm going to have to spend some time sitting with this question, I think. But um, what is fairness, right? Like, what, what does it, what does it mean? What does fair even mean? Like, given equal everything, like equal... Um, an equal chance, an equal vision. Um, it's very interesting for me to to think about it. Um, yeah, let, life let, let might not life. be fair, but I think that in its unfairness, like life has a way of providing kind of like almost a homeostasis or equilibrium. So while there may be this imbalance. And that can be perceived as unfairness. I think in in the world, there's always going to be these kind of like tips, like to one direction and to the other, and this like kind of like homeostasis that happens. So, in a sense, I could life is fair in that regard. Yeah. So that that's kind of, you kind of got to where I was going with it, and yeah, because it's a it's a question for myself that I used to think for many years life's unfair. And I used to yeah. question and say, why me, why me, why me? And then I would look at other people's suffering and just be like, life is unfair. I could just see so much suffering in the world and animals and even yeah. plants and the environment. And everywhere I looked was suffering. Um, and, I, and it put me in a place of life is unfair. And it wasn't until I went through, like I said, lots of processes and, and really just pondering the thoughts and sitting there with, with them and thinking, well, what am I looking at? And ma mainly I was looking at sort of, human interaction in life and human life and then i was looking at life as a whole as in just the life that we are the life that a tree is the life things are noticing in this world reality whatever we call it like i said there's a, always a duality there's always good and there's always bad there's always forwards there's always backwards there's always north there's always south mm -hmm. so in that regard it's always fair because there's always both options there but where we <laughs> put our perception is is important if we're looking if we're thinking and feeling that things are unfair our perception and our attitude will go into that state more so. And then we actually become less productive because it puts us into sort of more fear, um, more anxiety, more pressure. And then we're not actually productive to, to tackle the issues that we see as unfair. Whereas when you think it's fair, you actually energizes yourself that you go, I'm like, there's always good and there's always bad, but I can be on the good side. I can act mm -hmm. good. I can do good. I can be productive. And that's why I was interested when you brought that question up because I thought oh, I might be something you want to ponder and see how how your feelings go with that. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna gonna. I actually wrote it down on a notepad. What is fair? Like, what is what does fair mean to me? And how can I think about that in a way that is productive? Yeah, so thank you for that. Another sort of metaphor I was sharing with a friend once because he was talking. I was I put a little video up where I picked up literally two about two or three bin bags of trash from a beautiful lake i was at there's this idyllic lake in spain and no one around for miles but somehow i managed to collect like three big bags full of just cans rubbish cigarette packets plastic um that was all dumped there and he was like oh man was you angry and i said no i was so happy i was able to be there to pick that up i, I said ain't unlucky i said i'm so happy and he's like yeah but when you get, when you're frustrated with the people that left it and i said no I said, clearly they're not aware of what they're doing. I said, otherwise mm -hmm. they just wouldn't have done it. I said, so who am I to judge them and who they are? I said, but I can pick it up. So aren't I in a good place? And I mm -hmm. said, and I also look at the lake and go, that, do you know how small them three bags of rubbish is compared to the whole vastness of this beautiful lake? 
there's a little freckle it's a dot so but i could concentrate on that rubbish and spend days thinking about it in a negative light and being angry frustrated and worrying about why people can't have the sense to take it there was a bin as well by the way 100 meters uh, from where i was is a big bin that you could have put it in as well so it's mm -hmm. like some of the things are so obvious to most people but it's like some it can't be that obvious to them or they just wouldn't have done it because it's like you know it just makes sense you know you put your rubbish where it goes even if there's a spot but if we concentrate on the feelings and and the agitations of something that's to us say ridiculous you become unproductive because a lot of time and energy gets spent there yes i can see that uh, we're getting near to the, to an hour so i I really appreciate you being on here and getting to know you more. And I could speak to you for a lot longer. It's a problem I have with uh, <laughs> doing a podcast and restricting it to a sort of hour because I just love connecting and communicating with open souls and people that are willing to share and connect and put their life out there. Um, but I have a few just fun little questions I ask every guest. Sure. Uh, you got time for them? Absolutely. Okay, so the first question, and you actually answered this in one of my Instagram stories, so I know the answer. <laughs> Some of the listeners might not unless they're following the Instagram. Uh, so if you had to choose one, cats or dogs? Oh, I have to choose cats, <laughs> but uh, I love all animals, but I have to choose kitty cats. Yeah, I've always noticed like, there's always, like, I love them both, but there's always a preference and everyone I've got that some people have been really like, Oh, I can't answer. can't answer. And then they do answer. Eventually they go, okay, it's this one. Yep. Yeah. And what's your favorite color? Oh, um, I'd say like, a like a very royally gemmy purple. This is coming from a designer. So it's not just like a specific color, but like this, like almost like gem, like purple. <laughs> And purple's been my most common answer, by the way. It's also my favorite color. Interesting. But it, has, it has been easily the most common one, which has been interesting for me. Um, and what, what, what excites you? Um, what excites me? I'd say um, when people that I've um, engaged with in some way or guided in some way seeing their successes like seeing them be able to um take some level of engagement that we've had and do something good for themselves or turn turn something around for themselves in their life especially like if they felt like they were an underdog or it felt like an impossibility so just being able to see my positive influence in others that totally mm -hmm. excites me Oh, nice. And what does the opposite? What turns you off? Um, it turns me off seeing other people take credit when it's not theirs or like um, not giving credit where it's due. Um, I see that a lot. Um, I work as a designer and I'm in a lot of like group meetings and I always make a point if someone, if someone deserves credit, if they've done a good deed, if they've been exceptional, like, shine the spotlight on them and and if anybody else takes credit for work that's not theirs that always just leaves me kind of like cringing a little bit hmm. okay and what, what sound or noise do you love um i don't believe i've ever heard this sound but i believe that i would love it if i did hear it <laughs> which is silence um <laughs> i've been in a float tank before with um uh earplugs in and I still couldn't experience silence. And it wasn't even like the noise from my own body in existing. It was like still like street noise or this or that. I've never experienced silence, but oh my goodness, if I ever get to experience silence, that will be a gift. Okay, nice. And what sound or noise do you hate? <sighs> hate is a strong word. Yeah, but, if, um, if you had to pick one. Well, what do you dislike a little bit? <laughs> small talk. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, what comes to your mind when I say, what's your greatest fear? Um, the idea of loneliness, not aloneness, but like the idea of feeling like uh, you're not seen or heard or understood, not only as it relates to me, but as it relates to others. So like it's, it's just in general, like the, that fear of like loneliness and wanting to 
like make sure others don't have to necessarily experience that given my, my background, I know what that feels like. It's not a good feeling. So I'd say loneliness. What do you love about yourself? Um, my ability to connect with people very quickly and intuitively. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with random strangers, like, People that have, you know, I've gone to the grocery shop and they've told they've told me their life stories, and there's just this thing that happens with me with with that. And I'm I'm such an introvert, so it doesn't necessarily make sense to me why this happens. But I've had people be like, I, I haven't told anybody this story about myself, and I feel like that is kind of like the the biggest honors to have others feel safe with their vulnerability in my presence. So I love that about myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a very nice one. Um, what do you love to see in others? Mm, I guess their vulnerability, in a sense, and a willingness to connect. Um, I love seeing that in others. I love seeing people also who who think beyond themselves and think about how they're actions and behaviors and thoughts influence like all sentient beings on this planet and beyond. <laughs> I love, I love that. Oh, nice. And the, the very last question, what do you love about animals? And this includes pets or just animals in the wild in general? Sure. Um, I'd say their, their ability to be present and like just be in the moment you know, they're not thinking about the scale. They're not thinking about a number. They're not thinking about feeding windows. They're not thinking about any of this. They're just thinking about, like, the moment that they're in right then and there. And I think that everybody has a lot to learn from, you know, th- uh, nature and animals' relationship with nature and just their ability to be completely present. Yeah, it's beautiful. And... um it's been an absolute pleasure to to hear more about you and and know you just in that little bit more depth. So I really appreciate you talking openly and honestly. So I really appreciate this conversation. Absolutely. I appreciate it too. And um, can I just have your like Instagram? And I know you have a website if people want to find out a bit more or sure. come to you. I know you're creating like it's like an online community really of people just, they say, making good together. So yeah. So where can um, people find out more? MakeGoodTogether.com is the website. Other, um, that's probably the the best way to reach out um, or to connect. Sorry, I got a disturbance um, on my end. Can you just repeat again from the website? It just suddenly went oh, all sure. blurry. Yeah, no problem. Um, MakeGoodTogether.com is uh, a good place for people to kind of go, and then um, at MakeGoodTogether. On Instagram is where we do most of our communication. So um, if people want to reach out via DM or just follow us, whatever, always interested in connecting with people and hearing about what's going on in other people's lives. Um, Another thing to plug that we didn't talk about was um, we do this thing on July 3rd, which I know is a ways away, but um, (laughs) we call it Global Interdependence Day. And last year was the first day that we did it. And we we had this campaign where um, it's We Are Connected. We just had people simply use the words We Are Connected on their hands or whatever and talk about why it's important that we acknowledge our interdependence in in this world, you know, as it relates to the pandemic, but as it relates to all of all everything that's going on in the world so that i know is a long ways away but um we are connected.com is also a place people can check out okay and then there's like everyone shares something on their social media on that day and yeah exactly and i think um the day that we did it last year i'm sorry it's global interdependence day.com um global interdependence day.com but okay, i'll um, make yes. sure to put it in the links in the description so people can find it Awesome. Yeah, no, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, Just like hundreds of people just like getting involved. Like it was, it was incredible. We had no idea what to expect, but like people want to connect. Like it's, it's our human condition to want to connect. And 
I think if anything, if we've learned anything through the pandemic is, is that's something that we need to really lean on, especially in times where, you know, we all need, we all need each other. Yes, definitely. Like you said earlier in the, in the conversation, like we're, we're a social species and isolation has always been a form of punishment because it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And someone could be in a prison where they're isolated and then if they're bad, they could put in a cell on their own for longer as punishment. So being away from people, but it's great that you're opening up that day as well to just remind people there's a place to connect. There's so many people out there that have the ability now to go online. They have a phone, they have the internet still. Um, and they can connect with someone in an instant, even if it's just to listen to someone else speak, right. watch them or to comment on a video or something and just have a, make a connection, you know, like you said, just to say hello. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It's evening for me now. So I'm going to go settle in and um, yeah, you've got a day ahead of you. So have a great day. So hi to, did you say it's Eric? Yep. Let's Eric. say hi to Eric. and. Yeah, I will update you when this podcast's out, but it will probably be this Sunday coming. And I only know I've had to learn so many time zones. Like I know my <laughs> PST now, I know my EST and my GMT. So if it's it's three PM EST, am I right that CT's one hour backwards? So is that two PM CT? Correct. Yep. Oh, see, I'm getting there. You <laughs> are. That's very, very good. I, I am much more I, I don't know my time zones very well. I always fail at that. So <laughs> Yeah, so 2 p.m. CT for you, it will be up on Sunday. But I will, I will drop you a message and let you know with any bits that are coming before then. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right, thank you so much. And yeah, have a beautiful day. All right. Enjoy your evening. All right, thank you. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you so much for being here and listening to The Selfish Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Greenheart, and I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Just search Luke Greenheart on YouTube. You'll find me. Check out my website, lukegreenheart.com. Have an amazing day and stay tuned for more episodes. I'll be interviewing guests on their path of self-development, their path to self, getting to know them in much more intimacy, much more depth, sharing and connecting with all so we can have a much more blissful, joyful and productive life together. All right, much love. Have a great day.